Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Hello and welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my co-host, Kate Roberts. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you? I'm good, Wynne. Good. Kate has a case of the giggles, which will become possibly very infectious to me in a moment. We're delighted to have with us today uh, Claire Schutz. Hi, Claire. Hi, Wynne. Hi, Kate. Claire. Claire is someone I've known for a while and then... Maybe three years ago, we became from acquaintances to colleagues and friends. And it's um, it, it's really nice to be able to call you a friend, Claire. It feels very um, special to me. The way that we love to start these conversations, and I know, Claire, that you've listened to a few of these, sometimes we like to put people on the spot to begin with and ask them, as I'll ask you right now, how would you introduce yourself to someone who's never heard your name? My name is Claire. I um, am British. <laughs> I'm just going, am I English? Am I British? I'm British. <laughs> I'm British. Um, I live in London. Um, I am a wife, a mother, um, a daughter, a sister, a human. <laughs> um, I've had a number of different careers in my life. Um, now I am um, something called a master transformative coach. And um, I'm a seeker. I'm endlessly curious about life. So the one thing that's kind of been a theme throughout everything I've done in my life is people and connection with people. I'm all about connection. It's my, if you were to say, if someone was to ask me, what's the most important thing to you? I would say connection. Connection, um, soul to soul connection with other human beings taking the time to be with them and to understand them and to enjoy them and to celebrate them and to marvel at how many different people there are in the world and how we're all perfectly different in our own way. And I've traveled around the world in this, in, in that kind of pursuit. Literally, I have traveled, flown all the way around the world. And I have been lucky enough to meet um, healers and teachers and communities all over the world, all over the world. And in all of those people that you've met and communities that you've been 
absorbed into. What's had the biggest impact on you? Gosh, it's, it would be difficult to draw out just one. Um, there, was, <laughs> there was a time I found myself on the top of a car park, in a car park on the top of a shopping center in Kuala Lumpur, in the front of a group of students of a Qigong master. And he was using me to demonstrate how he could um, maneuver my body without touching me. That was kind of cool. What happened? Um, <laughs> it's kind of difficult to describe, but he he stood a, a period, he stood away, away from me, and um, kind of raised his hands and went and like I went like a pulling a string, and my body went forwards and backwards depending on where he where he pulled. And then anyway, that was one. And then there was, and then I learned, I mean, I, I've, I'm very interested in, in people who do, who do different things, let's say. So, so um, different types of healing and all sorts of things. And um, because of my disability, which we'll probably touch on more later, um, healers are very interested in having a go, <laughs> you know, to see what they can do. So, so it's kind of a perfect storm and, um, so I've had a lot of experience of, of people doing miraculous things with my energy. Um, but I learned one thing from a very, from a, from a man in um, Indonesia who lived on the beach in a very um, humble hut. And the locals used to bring him food so he could live and offerings. And um, he would do healing on people. Um, Tibetan healing and um, what I learned from him was about integrity because he had no ego he was just coming from a place of pure love and pure service and that was just an amazing thing to see and at the same time he did help people but it was the place from which he came that was the most profound thing. Wow. I've heard so many stories about your life and I can't remember hearing those two. <laughs> I have had such a rich and varied and wonderful life. I spent um, a long time making observational documentaries because um, when I grew up, I was, um, I spent a lot of time watching TV, <laughs> probably because of, because of my um, restriction in, in movement. So I spent a lot of time watching TV and I spent a lot of time making documentaries and I really love them. So I was very clear from a very young age that I wanted to make documentaries. And um, I did do that for, for about 18 years before my daughter came along and then in a very unusual not unusual rather a very usual you know kind of pattern I, I changed my life in order to accommodate being a mother um, but you know in, in, during that period of my life I spent six months um, filming people who were mentally ill and homeless 
and that was that, by one example, that, and that was a really wonderful exploration. I was just curious. I was curious about how somebody who had had, I just had a kind of episode of depression myself and I had been very lucky because I'd had a supportive family and I'd had the resources to be able to go and get the help I needed. And I became very curious about how somebody who was living on the street might navigate such a challenge. And so because that's what I was doing, then I went and made a program about it. And, um, and that was a really wonderful thing. So I don't know, I'm just giving you one example in my life, but there are so many different, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I just, I just, I feel like I've really taken every opportunity that's, that's come my way mm. to get involved with life. Because, you know, as George Pransky, and I think you've had him on your show too, likes to say, you know, life is a contact sport. It really is. And I think also Fiona spoke about that, how she at the moment was immersing herself in life. And it's really possible to immerse yourself in life and, and come from a perspective of wanting to do the best for those around you wanting to make sure that in your actions you do you add rather than subtract mm. for me that's just as spiritual as um, going to India and sitting in a, on a mountain and, and meditating you know that's not to negate people who do that you know I think I think it's all all part of the whole it doesn't really matter that's part of the wonder of life, isn't it? That we get to choose what we do. We get to choose how we interact. You know, what strikes me as I'm listening to you, the amount of experience you've had in your own life and also listen to other people's experiences of their own, of their own lives. So, you know, if I was an alien, you'd be a prime candidate for, hey, Claire, tell me about the human race. <laughs> I think you'd be a really good candidate so. for that. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm just, a, I'm just, you know, I'm just a human being showing up every day, doing the best I can. You know, that's really, that's really at the heart of, of you know, this, this um, organization that I've started with Julian Fraser called the Almond Tree. And we, you, uh, we, um, we were very clear from the beginning that although we've both got years of experience of working with people, as far as the Almond Tree goes, we are just very ordinary human beings who've had an experience around disability or illness mm -hmm. and an understanding of how it's possible to access well-being regardless of those circumstances. And as very normal humans, we're sharing what we've seen. Yeah. Kate and, and I would might, really- And hoping it might be helpful. Sorry? Sorry, Kate and I would really love to hear about the whole, how the almond tree came about and what's the, what's the original idea and the vision that you have for it now. So, um, so Julian Fraser, 
is someone who I um, met, I think, 10 years ago. We were both enrolled, in, sorry, we were both enrolled on a course um, run by um, Aaron Turner, Mara Leeson Olson, who I think you've had, and um, Linda Fransky. I mean, what an amazing group of teachers. <laughs> and there were just 10 of us on the course, and it was the first time it was run. And Aaron had just moved, Aaron had just moved to England um, at the time, having come back from Lacona, where he'd been working with the Pranskys, and Mara was living in New York. And they ran this course, and Judith and I were, were on it along with um, a few other people, including Jamie Smart, and I know there were a few of us. And so that's where Julian and I met. And um, he's a really, really wonderful human being, like a really kind, kind, loving person. And um, he has five children and two of them have disabilities. Um, one of them has something called cerebral palsy, which is essentially... Um, a lack of oxygen to the brain at birth for varying amounts of time that causes varying amounts of damage depending on how long the child isn't breathing for. So um, Julian's daughter is now, I think 18 or nine, 18, yeah. And she, she stopped breathing for quite a long time. So she requires what's called waking care, which means that when she is awake, she requires assistance in order to be able to live her life. I also have cerebral palsy, but I didn't stop breathing for as long as she did. And so I um, am really lucky. So here we go back to me saying, I just very, very lucky. So, so on the scale of what it's possible to have with cerebral palsy, I have a very, I'm very mildly impacted. So you might look at me if you saw me walking and, and, and people do, people look at me and sometimes they say, gosh, is that really hard work? Are you okay? Do you need help? It must be so difficult, it must be so hard. But actually, on the scale of what it could have been, it's a piece of cake because I can speak, <laughs> I can move, I can live my life, I'm independent, I can, you know, I, yeah. So anyway, so Julian and I have been talking for a while since we learned about the three principles understanding about sharing it with, he said to me, he, he basically in the course of um, bringing up Hassia, his daughter have, um, has seen many parents really struggle in the places that she'd been to for physio. And he really wanted to teach them something about the principles because he knew it had really helped him and his wife. And he knew that there was something they could see that would change their experience, their daily experience of the situation they were living with. And um, he kind of been, we've been talking about this and I, I, I didn't want, I wasn't looking in that direction at the time. And, um, but I was really encouraging with, of him and really supportive. And I kept saying, you know, you can do it, come on. You know, and he'd go off and he'd do it occasionally and then it, it, let it drop or whatever. And so then um, I have quite a busy work life and I was on faculty for, with you in, for Michael. And then I was also on faculty um, for Aaron and, and both of them changed the structure of their courses so they no longer re required their faculty in the same way. And that opened up some space for me. And so then I went to you and I said, hey, let's, let, what about if we do this together? Because there's something really valuable here. And so we um, decided to form 
the almond tree and it's um, a community interest company. So it's a non-profit. And the idea behind it is, is from a very, very personal perspective to share what we've seen from our own experience that can be helpful. Because for a lot of people facing either disability or illness, either by looking after a loved one or through their own um, circumstances, physical circumstances, they find that themselves to be very um, scared, isolated. They feel um, very anxious about the future. You know, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of um, worry. And um, that doesn't need to be necessarily the case. And so, and it's really simple, as we know, the understanding is not rocket science, it's not complex, but until you see it, it's unseen. And then once you see it, it's simple. So um, our idea is to kind of, in, in a, we kind of want the almond tree to be a place of hope, of community, of shared experience, and also of, of, of learning. So there's a possibility for people to, to learn about, um, about the principles. And we've been doing a series of interviews where um, people who understand the principles and also have an experience that's relevant have been sharing what we're calling their stories of hope. I'm, I'm in the process of editing those at the moment, but we're gonna start putting them, them out soon. And um, anyway, so Julian and I decided to set this up, which is really, really great. And then um, Linda Pransky, who you've had um, as one of your people you've interviewed, um, heard about this and was like, hey, I really wanna share what I've seen because I've seen some stuff with George, you know, I really want to share. And I've been looking for a place to share it. So, and we were like, over here. <laughs> And so it's kind of become the three of us sharing and it's just amazing. It's a really amazing. And we, we ran a series of webinars um, that are available on our website for anyone who's listening who might be interested and they're available free. Um, but we've had really, really powerful feedback from people from kind of the range of, of thank goodness this conversation is happening. Thank you so, so much, you know, to to gosh, I never knew, blah, 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 and now I see it differently. And I feel hopeful for the first time in years. So it's been really wonderful, really, really wonderful. Wow. And, and when you say share the principles, teach the principles, what are you hoping people will see that will make the difference in their lives? Well, it's on different levels. So on a very, very basic level, I would love people to see the role they're thinking um, plays in creating their experience. And I'd love them to see that their experience is not fixed, but actually it's optional. I'd love people to see that they're connected to a wisdom that is greater than just the collection of their own personal experience that there's a kind of collective wisdom that is available to us if we listen. And I would love people to see what I would call their essential nature. For me, that's the biggest one. <laughs> say some more about that then. I would just, well, I think it's it, from, I don't know about you, Wynne, but or, or UK, but in my work with people, 
when people understand the relationship between thought and experience, it's really helpful. Definitely really helpful. And when people um, see that they have access to a wisdom that's greater than just their own, that's really helpful. But the thing that seems to me to be transformational, and you know, I'm I'm a master transformative coach, so I'm I'm all about transformation. That's what I'm going for. Um, what's really transformational is when people remember who they really are, what their really what their essential nature is. In other words, which the way I see it is that we we're all interconnected, that we're spiritual beings. Having a, having a human experience. And when people remember that, there's some kind of big kind of, <sighs> like they just like literally all the, all the necessity to um, make everything happen by working harder, trying harder, worrying harder, um, learning more, being cleverer, all the pushing and striving changes to a place of flow and of going with what is it's, just, it's a completely different way of seeing life but what I really love about it is um, for me is that it's a bit like those those puzzles um, I don't know I don't know what they're called but you know you can get a book that's full of flat drawings and then you move them and in, within them is a 3D image Mm. Do you know what they're called when I can't remember. Anyway, but but then if you open the page of the book again, you always see the 3D image once you've seen it. It never looks flat to you again. And for me, when people reconnect or remember their essential spiritual nature, they can't, they don't forget it. Because of the very nature of what we're up against, totally we can get caught up in thought and it can get obscured. But, but but it will always it will always be remembered again and again and again. I think of life as a kind of constant going to sleep and waking up, going to sleep and waking up. Because we're up against the illusory nature of thought. So that's just the system we're caught up in. So that's fine. But I love the fact that nowadays, um, when I when I get caught up in some kind of uncomfortable feeling that's coming from some thinking that feels really important and real to me. Um, I, I now, I love the fact that now at some point I'll go, ah, 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 I know what that is. <laughs> I know that's not real. I know it feels real, but I know it's not. I know that's a fluctuation in my state of mind, a fluctuation in my level of consciousness. And just remembering that releases me from it. And so then it kind of passes on through. And it's such a simple system, right? I reckon it has to be simple because everyone has to be able to understand it. <laughs> but it's just not, it, it, it's not complicated. For some reason, people like to complicate it, but it's actually not complicated. There. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you've seen your disability differently with this understanding of how we work as human beings? Hmm, okay. So I wouldn't say that 
this understanding has helped me or enabled me to see my disability differently, I would say that this understanding has been able to, has given me words to describe what, what I was already aware of in a way that is translatable to others. So, so sorry, let me be, let me be, I'll give you, I'll tell you why I'm saying that, right? Because for me, the three principles or this understanding is a description of what's happening anyway, right? right. It's happening anyway, right? So, so whether or not we know it, it doesn't matter, it's happening anyway. So um, when I was young, it, it was hard for me when I realized I was disabled and, and I've spoken about this before, but it was really hard for me, especially when I got to about 11. Before I was 11, um, I lived in a very kind of a world where I was really protected and surrounded by people that, that really loved me and they treated me as if I was ordinary and not kind of different in any way. And um, obviously at school, the kids treated me as if I was different, but at home, I don't know, I just didn't, didn't really, I don't know, it didn't really impact me <laughs> where I really consciously realized oh my goodness, every time I go out in the street or everywhere I go, people are going to look at me as because I'm different. Like, it's impossible for me to walk across a room and not be noticed, but not in a good way. <laughs> but, you, you know, I cannot, I, cannot, I cannot be invisible. It's very difficult to be invisible. But um, I, didn't, I didn't really realize, I don't know, for some reason I didn't really realize that. And it was really hard for me when I did realize it. And I thought, gosh, I just don't know if I can do this. Like maybe this is just too big for me to handle I, in my life. I didn't, didn't know if I had the, the strength or the resilience, which I now know is innate, you know, it's part of our human makeup, but I didn't know that at the time. And I was very, very sad and I found it very hard. And I um, didn't really want to be here, but wasn't sure how to, what to do about that. I, I it didn't seem to, you know. And, um, and, um, and then one day, I remember this moment so clearly, one day I had what would be termed in this particular understanding that you're talking about on your podcast, an insight. So I had a fresh thought. I had a, a flash of inspiration that felt so real and so true that it was undeniable. And um, I was sitting there kind of feeling sorry for myself. And it suddenly occurred to me in this insight that I had two choices I could make. One was I could sit in the corner and feel sorry for myself for the rest of my life and be a victim. And the other was to accept the way I was and get on with life the best I could. And because of who I am as a person, sitting in a corner didn't seem very appealing <laughs> to me. And so I decided to just get on with life the best I could. That was definitely an insight because it was a moment of profound clarity and profound truth. I didn't need to, it was not something that I needed to mull over 
maybe, maybe not, you know, you know, and think up, weigh up all the different options and think of other options about it. It was just a moment of complete clarity. And from that moment, I just made the choice to get on the best I could. So that for me is an example of the, the principles being at work, even though I didn't know about them. You know, later on in my life, I, I used to be someone that worried a lot. God, I worried so much. And they, you know, and I, I did, wouldn't have called it worry. I would have called it being responsible and caring. Like I really cared about people. <laughs> and I really, you know, and you could see how much I cared because of how much I worried. And I, and, and I say being responsible because, you know, it made sense to look at the future and think about all the awful things that could happen and prepare for them. You know, that, that was responsible. And um, I could see that now, looking back, I can see that I literally, at one point, and I laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny at the time, but I worried myself into a nervous breakdown at one point. And the reason I did that was because I just had thinking, felt it, on, you know, felt it physically, thought, gosh, I'm, you know, see, see, I feel it, it must be true. So then I'd build on that with more thinking and build on that physically until I just literally worried myself into a place where my whole body went out of sync, literally. Like I too much adrenaline to it, though I just, I couldn't stop. Um, and it's funny because, um, but that was thought and feeling in play, right? But me just not understanding. So nowadays I understand that worry is a state of mind, that it is at best unclear thinking and that it will pass if I don't pay too much attention to it. I'm also really aware of the fact, and sometimes people don't say this, but I think it's really important. So I might be worrying about something and realize that what I just said, but that doesn't mean that there isn't maybe a little kernel of truth somewhere in it that might need addressing or something that, you know, there might, um, but I, I won't see that in a worried state and I won't know how to address it in a worried state. But if I let it go and I get more neutral about the situation, then I'll be able to see it. Or maybe I should check up on that. Or maybe I, but the feeling behind it will be so completely different. Mm. And another thing I want to say that's kind of not related, but I think might be really help, helpful to um, any, anybody who might be listening who's, who's ever worried themselves into a kind of very uncomfortable place. Um, with what I know now, I know that I will never, ever go there again. Never. And Wynne could probably speak to this as well, I think, in his own way. But I, I know I will never go there. And I recently had to um, register for a, a, a new GP and, you know, when you, a new doctor. And, you know, when you do that, you do your case history. And they were, I was going through my case history and I was like, yeah, you know, I used to have depression. They were like, used to? What do you mean used to? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, like 25 years ago, I had this, you know, this episode, but, you know, but it will never happen again. And they were like, what do you mean it will never happen again? 
and, and I said, well, I, I understand how I got there and I, I just know it will never happen again. It doesn't make sense to me in the same way to do what I did then. And to them, that was such a weird thing. They just thought I could see as the doctor was looking at me that they thought I was quite deluded. But the thing that's so wonderful about this understanding is the um, capacity for um, psychological freedom that it gives. You know, that's another one of the reasons why I spend my time sharing this with people. Because people kind of tie themselves up in, in really innocent and really invisible knots that just aren't um, required. Hmm. They're not required. But people only do what makes sense to them, given their thinking. So, <laughs> in your example, when you were worrying because it felt like it was the responsible thing to do, well, of course. And when you've seen that totally differently, as is the potential for anyone to see that totally differently, that there is not a need, it's not a requirement to constantly make ourselves feel bad and to bring ourselves down. And yet we don't even know it's us doing it. Not that there's any blame there, it's just how our system is, is that it's very compelling. Yeah. That what we think looks really real and true. Thought appearing real. And so I would love everyone to understand that and to free themselves from whatever, you know, wheels of thought they're, they're, they're caught up in. And it's easy, it's not hard. It takes, it takes an insight, it takes, a, it takes a willingness to listen to your podcast and, and with an open heart and an open mind mm -hmm. and to go beyond what one thinks is true about the world. And from what you've said, anyone who's having challenges for themselves or with um, people they care about, immediate family, loved ones. And however that shows up, I, I heard so much again in what you've just shared, Claire. Very special. How can people find out more about what you and Julian are up to with the almond tree? Uh, go to our website, <laughs> which is www.thealmondtree.org. And details are in the description um, of this webinar and below here if you're watching on YouTube. So we'll make sure that that's available. So grateful to be part of what you guys are creating, honestly. Really, really wonderful. It's been great to have you here, Claire. Yeah, we appreciate it so much. You know, earlier on I joked about you'd be a great candidate if an alien came to Earth and let's choose a human being to describe human beings. They could just listen to this. It was beautiful. 
And I just, the, the other thing I want to say is, or maybe the last thing I want to say actually, is um, to anyone listening, like, there's always hope for a different feeling. And there's always hope that things are always, nothing's, nothing is fixed. Nothing is fixed, good or bad. So if you're in a place that you're not enjoying, just know that it, it will pass. It has to pass because it's the nature of life. And there's always space and hope for something different to come in. Thank you for that. You've been listening to Under the Noise from Kate Roberts and my co-host is here with me, Wynne Morgan. And today we were joined by Claire Schutz. Thank you, Claire, so much for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments um, or there's anything that you would love for us to chat about, please email me or when our details are either below or at the end of the podcast if you're listening. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.